everybody for today's podcast we've got some really cool video associated with it we had a drone we've got aerial footage of west texas so if you're listening to this and you can jump over to the youtube channel and watch it too it's really cool stuff and i think you'll enjoy it hey everybody welcome to chuck yates needs a job the podcast first for me i'm actually out on location brought the video crew out here and we're in West Texas, just outside of Monahans at the Antina Ranch. If you've been following the story, and I've done a couple of podcasts, it's basically a story of Ashley Watt and her struggles with Chevron, who have the producing oil field on her ranch. Now, the first podcast, Ashley came on as a guest, talked about blowouts, talked about polluted aquifers, etc. The second podcast we did was actually engineering porn. We had well control expert Bill Birch that's working for Ashley and Chris Bird on to talk all about the engineering data and what's going on. And I think made a compelling case that one, the blowouts we're seeing, they're all man-made. This is man-made pressure. God didn't put anything down below that causes these blowouts. And number two, there are solutions that can fix this. So we did that. I came out here though, and to be honest, I really thought what I was gonna see is just an old tired oil field. Maybe Ashley and her lawyer, Sarah Stogner, being a little dramatic about it. And it would be just typical oil field. I sure as heck didn't think I was gonna see this. And to be honest, I never thought I would see a major U.S. corporation, one of our leaders in the industry, try to defend something with a 69 joke. I, 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 In 2002, when all of a sudden we flush the toilet at the house and crude oil bubbles up in the toilet. So it's like, what's going on? So what they found, we're gonna go about 200 yards over here. There's an old pipeline leak, and I don't know if the leak occurred previously or if it was never purged when it was put out of service, but it's an old plains pipeline. And it leaked a bunch of crude oil all around here and you'll see this kind of big open spot where still like things are trying to regrow but it's just never really regrown and so planes comes out and starts putting in all these monitoring wells and that's what each of these um, cylinders that's sticking out of the ground is a few feet and so they you know they start stepping out and, and delineating and trying to figure the extent of leak and while they're doing this as they get back over to the water well they find a plume of brine water underground full of benzene, you know, really high salinity um, all around that well over there. And no one has any idea where it's from. Chevron takes responsibility for that, says okay. And so Plains takes responsibility for this crude spill. Chevron takes responsibility for that. They're both logged as official OCP, which is the Operator Cleanup Program um, OCP sites in the, for the Railroad Commission. And so they have to monitor them uh, I can't remember if it's a quarterly or semi-annually, but they have to come out and take water samples and 
overtime charted. So we have a really good track record of, through all that, of data of, okay, here's what a dirty well looks like. Here's how quickly the water moves. Here's how quickly benzene attenuates. And they drilled one or two, the water moves underground north to south. So north up that way, south is that way. So they put one or two water wells north of everything that are like the clean background wells. So we have a really good like control sample on all this too. And so Chevron and Plains and my parents, they kind of like put everything together and they're like, okay, you know, they'll monitor it. Uh, we shut down this water well, obviously. Uh, we move water wells down to the house and Chevron tells us, okay, it, you know, isolated incident, it's, I don't know, 300 feet by 200 feet, like that's all you gotta worry about, no problem. So the story at that point is we got an oil spill, seeks through the sand, that's what got picked up in the well. Yeah, but while they're looking for the oil spill, they find the brine spill next to it, just coincidentally, and no one quite knows the story, but it's like, okay, you know, it must be isolated. In hindsight, so brine water, salt water is heavier than fresh water. And so salt water will sink to the bottom of an aquifer and it'll kind of be a gradient, but it'll be saltier at the bottom and fresher at the top. In hindsight, looking at their well design, what Chevron will do is that aquifer, the PVA is 50 feet thick. It's from about 50 feet to hundred feet. Chevron will come in and will drill and test the top 10 or 15 feet, which to their credit is what you do when there's an oil spill because oil floats on water. So there's an oil spill, the, the oil will be on the top a little bit. You don't want to smear it all the way down. And so you can sample up there. And so they sampled there. They never went down and sampled the bottom of the aquifer to actually get, okay, what's going on with benzene, brine, everything else. And at that point, you know, maybe giving a bit of the doubt, maybe they didn't know, like no one quite knew the whole story. But Chevron says, isolated incident, it's just this little spot, okay, a new water well, you know, we move on and they've been testing it quarterly ever since. What was interesting is going through old, um, public records requests and everything is, is planes has been pretty consistent on their testing and Chevron just like stopped testing in like 2012, I believe, uh, and didn't do it for a few years. And then there's a letter from the railroad commission to Chevron in like 2014 or 2015. That's like, Hey, where are these results you're supposed to be giving us? And we never quite get the end of that resolution. And so it doesn't look like they were even complying with like the state program that they were supposed to be in. So that's, that's like in hindsight, the first, sign that something went wrong, but we thought it was just, you know, one isolated incident, maybe a bad pit, maybe there's a spill here. You know, nothing on that said, like systemic water pollution, blowouts, anything of that nature. So well, this, it's also, it's also to the extent they're taking action, they're testing wells and yeah. stuff. It's easy to say, okay, they're being the good actor. Yeah, yeah. Right? It, so I, I get that, that. Sure. So I've been struck by two things about Ashley. One, she's smart. Wicked smart. I mean, I get it. Not a lot of dummies are graduating from the Naval Academy and Harvard Business School. But I think even in those circles, those folks would say, yeah, Ashley's really smart. And the second thing is she's incredibly practical, just down to earth, very matter of fact as we walk through these things. The lease is from 1924, but no one did anything. It was a 20 year lease, you know, Holy 20s. Cow. Yeah, exactly. For 20,000 acres on like basically no bonus or anything. Um, and so even in like 1943, it gets extended for like another two or three years when they're clearly like, oh shit, we have to do something. And so the wells really start getting drilled out here in like the 40s, in like 1943, 1944. But the field really gets developed in the 50s. And yeah, for the injectors, like when they would, they would occasionally hit dry holes out here even in this. And so they would um, generally turn those dry holes into injectors. And I mean, back in the 50s, 
Nobody cared whether you had cement behind pipe would be. Well, and especially there's dry holes out here. And like, if you drilled a dry hole, you definitely were not gonna PNA that thing. Like, you know, definitionally, nothing was coming out of it. Like, why am I gonna waste time, you know, doing a good cement job on it? It's fine. But what they never accounted for when they drilled that dry hole, and this still happens today, is okay, it's fine. And then you don't think that five years down the road, 20 years down the road, 50 years down the road, somebody's gonna come in with either, you know, a frack job, high pressure water flood, CO2 flood, CO2 sequestration. You know, somebody's gonna start putting pressure underground and then you have all these old well bores that maybe even were just dry holes and never even produced and no one ever accounted for the fact that this thing's going to start taking a lot of pressure and a lot of force at some point in the future that it was never designed for. Yeah, I mean they probably covered up those wells with a few rocks. Yeah, it's like, eh, yeah, it's fine. We just need to make sure a cow doesn't fall in. As we drove around the Antina Ranch that day, Ashley recounted the series of events of dealing with Chevron. She told me the story about her mom dying from a rare form of cancer. We drove by this wellbore that leaked oil, that wellbore that leaked disposed water. But it just fit the narrative. It fit the story. This was an old oil field. If malfeasance was done, it was done 30 years ago by somebody that doesn't even work for Chevron today. They're probably even dead. And it was just an old oil field. It wasn't until we drove by the Estes 20 and she told me the story there, shit started getting interesting. April 1st, Chevron dumps this field off on a small operator called Pitts Energy out of Midland. And Steve Pitts has been great to work with. He's been so helpful. Steve Pitts, I don't think he did any due diligence on this. But Chevron fucked up. They sent him all the well files for everything active, as you would expect. But they accidentally sent him the well file for this well, which is the SS20. And the SS20, it was always stinky when you drove by it. So it was, something was going on with it, but we just thought it was a stinky well. In that well file that Chevron accidentally sends to Pitts in December 2020, so right about a year ago, they find water coming out of it. And of all people, my foreman discovered it, that he was driving to a rodeo one morning down this main road and said the road was just covered in water and it was coming out of this well. So he called Chevron and said, hey, you got to leak. And then he went on to this rodeo. And he said he came back later that day and he couldn't even get through here because there was so much water and so many trucks. So he had to go the back way around everything and just didn't think of anything because we always just trusted the operator, you know, right. Chevron's working on it. Chevron never calls me and tells me about it. I guess they thought Marty would, and maybe that's on us for not communicating. But we look through their report and what they're filing, and it's the same story that they had on the Estes 24. Like, uncontrolled pressure, uncontrolled flow, they can't get anything done. They ran a, a junk shot, which I'd never heard about except for Bill Birch. It's like a well control technique. You basically take a bunch of junk, and I think they use like golf balls now, and you just literally start throwing shit down a well board just to try to get anything to stick and start blocking it off. That's like your, your Hail Mary, like, I can't fucking stop this thing. I'm just gonna throw literally the kitchen sink down it and hope I can right. plug it up. They do that, it takes a month to plug it off. You know, they'll kill the pressure, they'll come back in the morning, the pressure will be back. Like, it'll have gone through all the mud and everything. They finally, finally, according to their file, get it killed and plug it in like January of 2021, so earlier this year. I suspect they just pencil whipped it. Like, like the S is 24, had we not been verifying all of the bubble tests at the end and everything and been recording them, I guarantee the first one they would have been like yeah it's good enough yeah. but like we're out there and it's like no it's still bubbling like it's there's a leak in it so allegedly they finally plug this one what we figure out that we didn't know at the time and we see on this report is as they're coming to work on the estes 101 the crew that was supposed to get down there can't even get through and gets delayed by two days because they're stuck behind this whole operation and the estes 20 is interesting it's the only one 
that has never, out of all the wells we're gonna look at today and talk about, it's the only one that's never been an injection well. And it uh, wasn't plugged when it blew out. You have to report in Texas brine water spills. But on the eastern districts in the rest of the state, the threshold is anything over 10 barrels has to get reported, something, something like 10 barrels. But in West Texas, in District 8, there's so much brine water spilled out here, they upped the limit to 250 barrels. As long as it's less than 250 barrels, you don't have to report it. Like 250 barrels, like a train car is 600 barrels. Like that's like half a train worth of brine water before you have to report it. Which so one is, is just ridiculous. And I asked the road commission, I was like, why is it so different? Because he told me, he's like, I treat everyone the same. I was like, you definitely don't. Like different districts are treated different. And then he's like, well, I don't have enough inspectors to go inspect all the spills in West Texas. Like, well, you know, and I'm small government conservative, but hire more inspectors then. Like, that is a good return on investment. So they have to report anything over 250 barrels. Chevron reports on uh, on the Estes 20, a spill to the Railroad Commission of 31.69 barrels, which is interesting because they got it to the 100th digit. And two, the 100th digit is 69. Uh, and so I think this is a landman like making numbers up. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. And so we, we go back and in, in the files they accidentally gave pits, we look, hey, what's this thing flowing? It's flowing a barrel per minute of brine water at the surface. Again, we find it. So even if they had a crew and you're sitting there ready to go in Odessa and get the call right when it starts blowing out, like they're not gonna get here for 30 minutes. That's at least 30 barrels are gonna come out. So there's easily several hundred barrels spilled. It runs, you know, a quarter mile, a half mile down the road and everything. And Chevron says 31 barrels, 31.69 barrels. And the railroad commission says, all right, you said 31.69, that's the answer. And I pointed out, I'm like, in what? What reasonable person is gonna look at this and believe that number is correct? The Railroad Commission is not about to question Chevron. They knew who butters their bread. And even the Railroad Commission has told me, they said, okay, there might be some water contamination. We'll, we'll grant you that. But we have to come test it before we're gonna believe you. I'm like, all right, like I'm sending it to the same lab you are, but if you wanna come out here and test it, start fucking testing. And so they came out here and tested it and I haven't seen their results. But they have a double standard where if the operator says something, that's believed, you know, good as gospel. Landowner says something, like, no, 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 no. Like, show it to us, we'll test it, and then maybe we'll believe it. Like, the River Commission's just set up against landowners to begin with. Well, what's interesting is, in our history, we've done two podcasts on this, and we've chatted outside of those two podcasts, maybe 45 minutes, is that fair? An hour, sure. or something yeah. like that, you know? So that's kind of, and you know, I've read some about it. I've seen news reports. I think this is the first thing you have told me, the 31.69, where there's potential current bad actors. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and by that, I mean, my take on a lot of this stuff is we cut corners in the 70s and 80s. You know, maybe that was even industry practice back then. Every industry, everybody's cleaned up their act over the last 50 years. I mean, a lot of this has been, in my mind, a lawyer covering for bad acts just not to accept liability. That's the first thing I think you've told me right now that I could see, holy shit, somebody's being deceptive. I, I just can't fathom the fact that they put 31.69 in a report because it's a blatant lie. I mean, you and I went out and looked at that stuff. I mean, you know what we ought to do tonight? Let's get drunk, trash can, let's fill it up 32 times, pour it out, and then see how long it takes for us to drive the truck across it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, an hour? Two minutes?
That'd be an interesting thing. But if it's we, a great visual, yeah. Let's go get 31.69 barrels, mm -hmm. fill it up, and go pour it on the ground and see if we can drive the truck across it. Because Chevron, by their own words, yeah. couldn't drive right. the truck right. across it for two hours. All right, I screwed up. I meant to say two days, not two hours. But hey, I was three glasses of wine in and I was fucking rolling. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. I'm totally in on this. <laughs> No, I mean, and and trust me, I really thought the narrative coming out of here was going to be, hey, Chevron lawyers, do the right thing, settle with Ashley, because you screwed up some stuff in the past. You know you did, but it's okay now. Just do the right thing, blah, 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 blah. And it's not. It's going on still. And I... <laughs> I, I've been saying I want, it on TikTok for months. I, I want, I want I to think Chevron's doing the right me thing. I, and it, they're not. It, it, took me, it took me a full week for it to really sink in. And then every time something else, and I'm like, oh, it's even worse than I thought. Oh, it's even worse than I thought. And there are a few things I can't talk about because of, an, of a very limited confidentiality agreement that we right. had. That um, I'm just like, oh, my conclusion is you know how fucked you are and you don't realize how much we get it and how little they understand about her true motivation. Yeah. And they really don't get yet that this isn't about money for her. On this first episode of Oilfield Mythbusters, <laughs> Mythbusters, we have the 31 I was thinking about naming it uh, the segment, this is bullshit. Too much? I mean, it's true. <laughs> it's mean, but it's we true. We have not run the experiment yet. Yeah. We cannot Let's see. say that. Let's see. But you know, you've got to give Chevron props because they were able to hook up a meter and measure 0.69 barrels on a leak in advance of the leak happening. So come exactly. on, Ashley. Exactly. I don't think you're being fair. It's just a bold-faced lie. And Chevron's continued to just just hammer down and say it's only 31.69. So we are gonna spill 31.69 barrels of fresh water this time. For when it was them, it was brine water, produced water. Because we care about science. The Chuck Yates needs a job, the podcast. Exactly. I'm just saying. Exactly, and let's see, and maybe it'll run 200 yards down there and we'll say, you know what, 31.69 is a lot more barrels than we thought, but I don't think it's gonna go that far. This well, is, I mean, look and at that's, that's why we do it spring. Let's see, it's dry, dry sand. It's the same weather it was that day. Let's, let's see where it goes. We'll see what happens. Recording. 31.69 barrels is almost 1,331 gallons. Under the sea, life is much better when we're together under the sea. Under the sea. We're doing about a barrel a minute. Yeah. Well, under the same way as we did. One barrel down, 30.69 to go. Here's the we're on a bird to nowhere. Come on. Down. Two barrels in. Two barrels in. 29.69 to go. All right, it's actually kind of flowing a little more. It is flowing a little more. Maybe we'll be proven wrong. I wonder if this is how Noah and the family felt at the beginning. <laughs> like, this isn't so bad. Yeah. We just for all the detractors that come out and say it. This is potable water, fresh. All right, 10%, Chuck. We're 10% in. We've made it 30 feet. We're 10% in, and we have not touched a mesquite tree yet. We haven't made it off the well pad. Hey, when you were reading through the uh, well file, was Aquaman on the crew that day? I think that would have been necessary. When you were reading through that well report, how many rolls of brawny did they bring out here? <laughs> Four? Yeah, Five. I think I think it's a full Costco pack. 
and God again promised man he would never flood the earth. We're almost at six barrels. It's making it over here. Holy cow. And wait, I think it might get off the pad site. Uh-oh, you see what this is? I mean, this is sand. You know what it's gonna be in 100 years? It's gonna be sand. Watch this, this is what Cud did when they discovered and were called out. We shall draw the line. We have stopped the flood. <laughs> hey, it worked. It worked. Look, I contained the flood. Broke containment, broke containment. Get cut back out here. I guess that messed up our whole experiment. Right, look, I'm sorry. You screwed it up. Now we're gonna, we, yeah, now we're gonna have to redo it. Yeah, it's not real anymore. You know, anytime you feel depressed, just remember, you're the one in a trillion sperm that actually made it to the egg. The winner. The winner. We might get to that white sign right there. I could be wrong. I thought it would get to here. But the spill itself got to that uh, power pole down there, maybe 200 yards. But Ashley, we're only at eight barrels. Well, like you got 23.69 to go. Let's see where it goes. Make sure you get the .69, that's important. So I just want to know, now that we're at eight barrels spilled, what is bigger, the spillage from here or the pee? <laughs> well, we'll I think you're saying call Colin McClellan's ego. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> is this spill bigger than Colin's ego? I don't know. Find out next time on Chuck Yates Needs a Job, the podcast. They've got, they are going to die on the 31.69 hill. Yeah, I just, I just can't believe that somebody doesn't go, okay, that's screwed up and send you an email. Hey, we're really sorry. It was, you know, 316.9, 231.8 yeah. barrels. Uh, they transcribed the number wrong or whatever. I mean, just, yeah. Spread How many out. barrels we at? 19. 19, a little over half. All right. It's more than you thought, but at the same time, we have yet to touch the grass or the yep. mesquite. I think it's all fraud, Ashley. I can't <laughs> believe you dragged me out here for, this. for this. You're polluting my land! Stop! So you see it's like slowing down everywhere else, and it's just finding this little downhill channel. It's gonna pick up over here, and I bet all of it starts getting pulled this way. I'm shocked at time, because I think, if I had to guess, we've been running at it about 30 minutes or... 26. 26. Five off. Picking up speed, we're right about 27 barrels, they said. Yeah, that's boogieing. Chevron, I apologize. Purple rain, purple rain. It is kind of purple. 31, 
69. This is a fucking piece of shit. Give me a fucking break. 31.69. So let's let's get our final official mark. Still hadn't touched a mesquite. Okay, Ashley. So you read the uh, the well file. And it said two days that trucks couldn't pass. I know that. I think it was a day or two. I can't. Day or two, or two in the. Yeah, uh, it held up. It held and, up. The and I'm not a West Texas resident, so I'm not sure. But could we drive over that? I think we could on this. So okay. I, I think for it to be like so serious, you can't drive. You know, a big diesel rig through it. That was some. That, that was some serious water up there. Okay. So just. For the sake of science, for the sake of experiment, Tanner, are you running on me? Let, let's do this just to check. Can I walk across it? Maybe that's sort of the proxy. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Chuck Yates, modern day Jesus, walking on water. Walking on water. You heard it here first. Yep. Run, Sarah, run, here's a shot. Run, Forrest, run! I think we have a new expression. Instead of watching paint dry, it's watching fresh water drain along Kalichi. And there you have it. Science from Chuck Yates Needs a Job, the podcast. Take one. All right, Ashley, so we've run the experiment. We've now seen the results. Interesting thing, number one, is I think the flow pattern that you discussed, that we hypothesized, actually proved out. I mean, the water ran down this way, made a left, and did pool over there. Yeah, it ex perfectly explains everywhere that we saw dead mesquites in the spring. It was from this well. It's clearly from this well. We thought it might be from the Estes 101, which is down that way, because uh, it's closer to that. But this pattern of water coming down the hill, real narrow, and then spreading out and going down that road, that's all the dead mesquites. Like this is it, 100%, not a doubt. So now let's drill down into the guts of the science. 31.69 barrels. One, I'm not sure it even made it to the roots of the dead mesquite no, tree. No, I there. mean, the last dead mesquites are down at that telephone pole down there. Right. That's another, what, 100 yards, 150 yards past where it stopped. It would have had to flow way past that. I mean, they spilled thousands of barrels and they lied that it's 31.69. More you know. There you go. In the name of science, we were gonna try to drive the truck over the water spill there, only I didn't sign up for the extra insurance, so we don't wanna risk it. Yeah, I think I caught a moth in my... It's good stuff. It yeah. brings the moth. Seasoning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, 0.69. If the reportable limit was 500 barrels, I guarantee it would have been a 420.69 barrel spill. If you think about humans for all of our history, back to you know caveman days, we have been tied to land. Like you will have lived on the same land where your you know parents lived and grandparents and great grandparents and great grandparents and they all will have fought for it. They will be buried there and like that is your place. You don't roam around. You aren't just born here and then move to the city and move here. Like we don't like all this modern honest, mo mobility is like it's a very modern thing in the past couple of hundred years. I went I went to Scotland a few years ago and the Watt family is from this little fishing village on the north coast of Scotland, like built into a cliff, like rough rough area. And I went went to the old church and it's falling apart, the roof's gone and you know the cemetery's all around it, there's graves even in the church and they're all around and it's Watt, Watt, you know, half the town has the surname Watt even to this day and they're all 
ancestors, great uncles, cousins, you know, you name it. Um, and like you look at it and there's, you know, there's graves from the 1300s and 1400s of Watts that died fighting Viking raids. Like that land is blood and is soaked in your blood. This piece of dirt and this land, like I would absolutely risk my life to protect it. I think once you have been somewhere long enough, the land almost becomes a member of your family that just lives perpetually. Like when I think about who, who am I, like where, where am I, like what am I of, it's West Texas. And it's not just West Texas, it's of, you know, this strip of sand that runs north to south, kind of in the middle of the Permian Basin. Chevron, I don't even know what to say. Although I will say this, maybe the landman that originally wrote down 31.69 barrels, you probably ought to fire him or maybe give him a raise.